I'm changing the sequence on me a little. I know it. I knew at some time I'm supposed to read this prophecy by Kenneth Hagin that came in 1980. So let me read this first to you. And the reason this is important is something the Lord said through me last week that startled me. It says, The end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness, the forces of evil, are rampant as never before. And they will be increased in intensity and velocity. How many could say, Amen. And even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, Oh, there is no use. And they'll throw up their hands in futility and say, Well, I guess it's all over. That's what the enemy's trying to get us all to think. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly. Because the devil's about to take over everything. Don't be one of those Christians saying that. But thus saith the Lord. In this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. And the light will dispel the darkness. And the truth will set men free. And prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. And it must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly it must be that they learn. That they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil. That will try and come against the land. Against the church. And against the home. That would try and disrupt, excuse me, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good and all that God has endorsed. I believe the man saw the future. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen. And at the urge of God in the Spirit to those who are attentive, they will pray. Now notice this, the Spirit of God will help you to pray. Do not try to do it yourself. How do you do that? You pray in tongues. You pray in tongues. We don't, we, it's okay to pray in English, but you're going to come to the end of that pretty quick. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will help you to pray. No wonder He's called us to spend these hours in prayer and let the Holy Spirit make intercession through us. One more paragraph. Though there must be labor on your part, yet at the same time, rest in Him. Let the Spirit flow through you like a river. Now, he's talking still about praying in tongues, and you'll know that from the next sentence. Like a mighty wave, let it flow through you, give vent to those innermost groanings. Now, this is 1980. Okay. Let them escape your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait. Sometimes not even saying anything. But the, on the inside of you, there is an agonizing. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the great spirit, the Father of spirits. And thou shalt be sustained. Thou shalt be kept. And thy family and thy home will be sure and stand fast. And thy children shall grow up strong and stalwart in the Lord. And they shall have no fear. Excuse me, i got to go pray in tongues now. <laughs> Isn't that great? What a confirmation. Then, on the 16th, to my surprise, <laughs> the Lord said this through me. Make sure that was right. Yes, January 16th. The Lord said, You are coming into days that have not really been seen in this generation. For the enemy has raised up in his arsenal things that have brought down civilizations in the past. That really surprised me. As I'm reading that, I went, Who did this come through? Oh, God, that was me. 
because it surprised me. I know I didn't think that thought. I want to read that again. You are coming into days that have not really been seen in this generation. For the enemy has raised up in his arsenal things that have brought down civilizations in the past. Things not seen by this generation and neither by my church. And for this reason, you must stay very close to my spirit. As they did with the cloud by day and the fire by night. Stay very close to my spirit. For I have a path for each and every one of you through the wilderness. And you will have individual things as I move the entire body into revival. But know this, know this. I am the Lord. And this generation will know like Egypt learned. I am the Lord. And I will have no gods before me. I will certainly have no idols in my temple, says the Lord God Almighty. You are my hope in the earth. And I do not have a plan B. You are my hope in the earth. And I am trusting you to hear and obey me. And I say you will do it. I believe in you, says the Lord. I believe in you, says the Lord. You will obey me. And I'm not allowed to preach on any of that. But he wanted to put you in remembrance of those words. Open up to Matthew chapter 6. It's sad to be in ministry uh, over a quarter century and be a Christian for over 40 years and just now begin to understand the gospel. In a large way, it's true. I'm telling you, I'm seeing it in such a way that I can't vocalize it yet. All I can do is just share certain portions as he gives me words. But there's pieces of the puzzle that are, it's like we've prayed all of these pieces in this puzzle. And you can talk about this part and you can talk about that part on the left side and you can talk about this up here. But suddenly the pieces are filling in and the image is becoming so clear now. I believe revival is now. I believe we're actually already in the edge water of it. Remember, the light shines the brightest in the dark. God said one time, he said, not through me, I wish he had it. He said, but I heard somebody said, he said this to me one time. He said, I do my best work in the dark. <laughs> and I said, confirmation, please, Genesis 1-1. <laughs> Isn't that right? 1-1 one, one and 1-2. One, <laughs> in the beginning. Was dark, wasn't it dark? There you go. All right. Matthew chapter 6. See, again, you would think after all this time there would be no more revelation to, to milk out of the Lord's Prayer. And it's like a, just amazing. So let's just read it. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray you, Our Father. Now last week we emphasized this, which art in heaven. There's a reason for everything Jesus says when he's, he's making a point. For us to understand the Father is in heaven. Say it with me. The Father is in heaven. Then he says, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> now this week we're going to focus on the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. Because he says in verse 10, thy kingdom come. Let's just stop right there. Whose kingdom is it? See, we know Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Isn't that right? Jesus is Lord. That's our confession. But he's starting to show me the overall picture that that lordship and that kingship is really temporary. It had a beginning. When Jesus was conceived, well, really the kingdom wasn't when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. The kingdom wasn't when Jesus was born. The kingdom wasn't when Jesus had his bar mitzvah at age 12. No, he told us when the kingdom began in uh, Luke sixteen sixteen, He says, the law and the prophets were until John. And he's talking about the day that John baptized him in the Jordan River. Now, this is all last week. I'm not going to reteach that. Okay. But he says, since that time, the law and the prophets were until that day. Since that time. Since the day that 
Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. The kingdom of God is preached. Not before. Since that day. And tremendous summary. It's because through that symbolic baptism, which is a type of, you know, when they lay you under the water, that's a type of the grave. When he raised you up out of the water, that's a type of the resurrection. Jesus is making a vow to the Father. I'm going to do everything you told me to do. I'm going to die. I'm going to go all the way to the cross. And I'm trusting you to raise me to new life again. And God looked in heaven on his heart just like he looked on Abraham's heart in the Old Testament. When Abraham raised the knife to plunge it into Isaac, God counted it as done. Nope, you don't have to do that. It's done. He did the same thing with Jesus. It's like a gavel came down. And you got to understand, when now Jesus is not going to the cross for about another three years. But when Jesus died, he didn't die for his own sins. He didn't have any sins. He died as the substitute for Adam. The whole species of Adam. So that day in the legal court of heaven, it's like a gavel came down. Adam is dead. Well, if the first Adam is dead, isn't God free now to assign dominion to another Adam? Well, there's only two. The Bible says Jesus is the last Adam. By the way, there's not another one in the wings. There's not another one coming. See, the first Adam, him and his wife were given the assignment of creating people. God's only ever made two people. He made the first man Adam and the last man Adam. He made the first Adam and he conceived Jesus in the womb. After he made the first man Adam, he told Adam and Eve, now you go and make people. <laughs> you know what he's telling Jesus? And who is Jesus' bride? The church. He's telling the last Adam and his bride, now you go make people. How do we make them? We get them from the dead species of Adam and get them born again. <laughs> God's not creating new spirits. He's making king. He's making children, spirit-born children, by resurrecting the dead spirits of the species of Adam when they believe the gospel. <laughs> Excuse me. Stay here, feet. <laughs> Golly, that's good stuff right there. And Jesus is the king. Um, yes, sir. Okay. I think I still have that on my Bible, actually. I'll show you that it's temporary. Get kicked out of a lot of churches for preaching this. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. I was reading this this morning. We'll start in verse 21. 1 Corinthians 15, 21. It says, For since by man came death. Well, who's that? That's the first Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. Well, who's that man? That's Jesus, the last Adam. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, then cometh the end. Now notice, then cometh the end when he, that's Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. I'm going to say that again. Then cometh the end when he, Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father. When he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till. Now we would say until. See, his reign has an until. (laughs) His reign has an end. When he hath put all enemies... Under his feet. Now the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And we could go on, but that's that's good enough. No. Okay, no, let's go on. Verse 27. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he, he is accepted, which did put all things under him. In other words, God is accepted. God, God the Father is never going to be under Jesus' feet, is what he's saying. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God, and he's talking now the Father, may be all in all. Isn't that something? 
So that's, so the next, now, the man Jesus. Now, don't write me no letters. I know that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. I can preach that as well as you, okay? But he laid that down because he didn't do anything as a man on earth based on his deity. If he did, then he's no pattern for us. But he didn't. He did it. He was God in the flesh, but he didn't rely on, he didn't take advantage of any of that. Everything he did, he did as a man with God's life on the inside of him and anointed by the Holy Ghost so he could be the pattern for us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the developer, finisher of our faith. Well, we couldn't look unto him as a pattern if he did stuff as God, but we can if he's a man born of God like you are and anointed by the Holy Ghost like you are. That's good stuff, Brother Gary. Keep going. I think I will. Thank you very much. (laughs) My friend the other day, I was listening to him. His church is a little more rambunctious. He says, I'm not getting enough help up in here. (laughs) Bronx says, can I buy an amen? Anyway. (laughs) All right, so back, back to the prayer. So Jesus, as a man, on assignment from God, understands perfectly why he's here. He says that this is his prayer, and this is what he teaches us to pray. So we're back to verse 10, Matthew 6.10. Jesus understood the whole time, even though he's Lord, who owns the kingdom? He says, Father, thy kingdom come. Now, he is Lord during the time of this restoration period. See, eventually, eventually, which is a long ways off because there's going to be a thousand-year reign, After Jesus returns on this planet. But eventually there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth where sin never touched anything. And if you're in him, you'll get to live there. Amen. See, until then, he has to be king. He has to be Lord. He's the one assigned with this restoration process. But he understands even while he was on earth. Father, it's your kingdom. I'll never forget. I understand, Lord. I'm the king, but it's your kingdom. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We did a lesson a couple of weeks ago about what really makes a man under authority. No, excuse me. What really makes a man have authority, man or woman? Well, that centurion said he understood authority because he was a man under authority. That means when orders come down from Rome, he didn't compare it with his own will. He didn't analyze it, yes or no. When orders came down from Rome, he just did what Rome said to do. Well, that's exactly what Jesus said about himself. He says, I don't do anything of my own will. Whatever the Father says, that's what I do. Whatever I see him doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear him saying, that's what I say. So I like to say, I understand it better now. The centurion knew he was completely sold out to Rome. And because of that, all the power of Rome backed up everything he said. He knew Jesus was completely sold out to God. And he knew God would back up every word that Jesus said. That's why he said, just speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Good Lord, wouldn't we ever understand that? But see, the key to that is, are we sold out? Hmm. We're more sold out than we used to be. And every, I'm, yes, sir. I'm telling you right now, every time your body's will will never be defaced. And he's, one of the things he said all those years ago that I didn't understand until recently, really, recently, last few years. He said fasting, he called it the scourging popes, but he's talking about fasting. He said fasting is where your will dies. Well, boy, if you do some of it, you're going to find out that's true. <laughs> I want a cheeseburger. No. You're not, you're not getting a cheeseburger. I'll take a, I'll take a, uh, yeah, I'll just take, just, how about a bagel? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just, it'll keep negotiating with you, is what I'm saying. You know, how about, have, you know, banana? You don't get nothing. Now that is not your body's will, and it's not going to like it. So when do I get to eat? Thursday? <laughs> Two weeks from now? Whatever. And it goes, I'll kill you. <laughs> anyway, fasting. He said it. He said it in that. He said there is no avoiding fasting 
for those who want to fully walk in their calling. Now I'm going to just quote one of the Wesley brothers, you know, Wesley's. I don't remember if it was John or Charles, but one of them said this. A man who doesn't fast is no more on his way to heaven than a man who doesn't pray. Because they don't know God. I didn't say that. (laughs) I did not say that. I'm just quoting what they said. I do know this. In order to be ordained in that ministry, he wouldn't ordain you unless you agreed every Wednesday and Friday that you would fast till at least, I think, uh, 4 o'clock. Yeah, 4 o'clock. Hmm. Getting back to today's lesson. <laughs> Alan's going to build you back up in the second service here. So when he says here, thy kingdom come, he understands that it's the Father's kingdom. Thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Yes, sir. Okay. In Matthew 9, they said, why don't your disciples fast? We see the Pharisees' disciples, they fast. John the Baptist's disciples, they fast. We've been watching your disciples. They don't fast. And Jesus says, well, while I'm here with them, while the bridegroom's here, they really don't need to fast. But he said, the day will come. And that's our day. When the bridegroom shall be taken away, then shall they fast. And boy, I remember the day that hit me. Because I've been calling myself his disciple for over 20 years at the time. Probably 30 years. And I hadn't fasted enough to fill a thimbleful. I said, here I've been calling. You plainly said that in this dispensation, your disciples will fast. And I've been calling myself your disciple. And I haven't fasted hardly at all. Well, that changed. Every time I come to this, thy will be done on the earth. One of my fasting confessions that I made from Matthew 9 is. Because... I just still don't like it. I mean, I heard people tell me they like fasting and I pray for them. <laughs> Maybe they do. Maybe there's a place where that happens. I've sure never found it. But it gets tough and I want to quit. I'm probably the only one. And I have to get that confession back up. that says, Lord, it is your will that I fast. Because I am your disciple. See, and I know that fasting enforces his will over mine. Because if it's just left up to my will, we're going to the cheeseburger place right now. But his will, yes, sir. God, I mean, well, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, you know, in John. 15, I believe it is, he says, and John 14 also, he says, if you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I heard it said a little, that's, that's exactly true in the King James, that's the way it's worded. I, I heard it spoken a little different and I found it to be true. He said, the more you love him, the more that empowers you to keep his commandments. The more you, I'm telling you it's true. The more you love Him. I don't fast because I like pain. I'm not doing it now because I like suffering. He said He wanted me to do it. He said it was His will that His disciples fast. Well, Gary, do you love Him? I love Him enough to fast now, so at least some. And I don't like it any time that I'm doing it. Except I like the part that it pleases Him. Because I'm learning how to put my will down, the will of the flesh, so that His will can be done. And His will is always the Father's will. Aren't you all glad you came to 8.30 service? Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, back to verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth <laughs> as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank God for that. And forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive our debtors, those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now notice this last part. For thine is the kingdom. I'm going to say it this way. Thine 
is the power. Thine is the glory forever. Now last week we really looked at the part where Jesus said, Father, you're in heaven. But in John 14, in two verses, three times he says, the Father's in me. And he's on earth. Now Jesus, are you confused? (laughs) You just told us to pray that the Father's in heaven. But three times in two verses, you said the Father's in you. And that was a real head-scratcher for a long time until I finally understood. Go ahead and look at this in your Bible. Matthew 10, verse 20. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Father. Matthew 10, 20, he's warning them that they're going to be persecuted and brought before kings and be put on trial. He says, don't worry, what, don't think ahead of time what to speak, just... Rely, rely on him, because he said in verse 20, For it is not you that speak, but notice, the Spirit of your Father, which speaketh in you. Now look at this verse. Notice he calls it the Spirit of your Father. And I, I, I began to understand, this is how Jesus can say, The Father is in heaven, but the Father is in me, because God the Holy Ghost was living on the inside of him. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be in you. Last week we looked at verses. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of God. So the Holy Ghost lives in you. You could say it this way, the Spirit of the Father lives in me. You could say it this way, the Father lives in me. By His Spirit, He does. And it's the Father in me, He's doing the works. Well, there's the power. Thine is the power. Now, this verse helps me too. John 15, verse 26. I'm going to give you time to get there. I know we're all looking. I'm looking for myself and you're looking. Can't hardly wait till the miracles break out. They will. Uh, Probably should already have. But right on the other hand, he is continuing to lay such a foundation. Remember when Dave would talk about the revival? He say a revival so grounded, a revival of sanity, soundness of mind, that even the world will look at it and say. Now he said the finest minds will evaluate and say, your God must be God. See, if, if the supernatural and the miracles come too quickly and we're not on the foundation that we need to be on. We'll be like every other revival, short-lived, because we'll get off into air. So, man, for decades, he's continuing to lay this foundation that is so secure and so grounded and sound, it's going to be really hard to get off of it. And when deception tries, and it will try to raise its head through people of all, all kinds... You'll be too grounded on the truth. Say, no, no, that's not, that's not God. We're not going to go that way. That's not God. It might be shiny. Remember how they trap monkeys in Africa? They showed me. It's real easy to trap monkeys. You just take a, a dry gourd and you, you hollow it out and make a little hole. That's a monkey can put his hand in open, but if he closes it to a fist, he can't pull his hand out. And they just put anything shiny. You could put a gum wrapper, uh, the aluminum part of a gum wrapper in there, shiny. And that little monkey will get a hold of it, and he will not let go. Even when he sees you coming, he, he'll try and pull the whole gourd off the tree. But he will not let go of that, see? Well, we're not going to be reaching for any shiny things that's not God. It might look good, it might smell good, but if it's not based on the same foundation that we're on, we're not going that way. Okay. John 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, are we all in agreement that's the Holy Ghost? When the, when the Comforter is come, now notice, whom I will send unto you from who? From the Father, even the Spirit of truth, now this phrase, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. I had never looked up the word proceedeth. <laughs> proceedeth? We don't use that. I've never looked up that word in the Greek before. It's Strong's number G1607, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Are you ready for this? It means, comes forth out of. 
The Holy Spirit comes forth out of the Father. Holy cannoli. (laughs) The Holy Spirit abiding in Jesus is how Jesus could say, It is the Father in me. He doeth the works. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. So it's a great relief to me, and I think it should be to all of us, we are relieved from the responsibility of producing any power. Let's worship God. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) We don't have to produce any power. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. And all the glory goes to you. Boy, if we'll just keep that part straight, it'll keep us from getting off into pride and arrogance and thinking we're hot rods when we're not. Because Jesus had that same attitude. Thine is the power. He said, I, yes, okay, I'm seeing that little parable again, so I'm going to do it again. Jesus, you said that the student is never above his master, but it's enough that the student become as his master. We've been watching you, Jesus. I want to be able to do what you're doing. So I'm enrolling in your apostle school. <laughs> no, I'm enrolling in your disciple school because I want to be a good disciple and become as you, Jesus. So my first question to you, how are you doing these miracles? And the first thing Jesus would say to you, I'm not doing them. <laughs> what? I just saw you. I was what? It was you. I saw you. You opened the blind eyes. You, you raised a person from the dead. I saw a leg grow out when you prayed. What do you mean it's not you? No, it's not me. The power is not coming from me. It is the Father in me. He's doing the works. Right there, that takes a lot of responsibility off of us. It is the Father, say it again, it is the Father in me. He doeth the works. Christ is in me, and the Father is in Him. My job is to hear and obey. That's really all it is. That's exactly what Jesus said. I don't do anything of my own. What I hear, that's what I Say what I see, that's what I do. There it is. But in order... Yes, sir. Now we're back to that sold-out business, though. Because... <laughs> see, again... <clears throat> hey, Dave would go over things again. Remember, we'd go, Okay, surely this conference is going to be something different. It's going to be something new, you know. and Open to Romans 8. <laughs> but we needed it, didn't we? Okay, well, there might be a lot of repetition in, in these also, but it's okay, we, we, we need it, okay. Because he's bringing us into this understanding. See, a fruit tree does not strain. I'm going to make apples. I'm pushing them out. Come on, now I'm talking about apples. Okay. How does the fruit tree produce apples? Well, the life that flows through the tree produces the fruit. It's the Father in Christ flowing through us by the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit. You know, we're told two things not to do when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? That's usually sin related. Unforgiveness related. Those type of things. Don't anger. You might get angry and lose your temper. Grieve the Holy Spirit. But how do you quench the Holy Spirit? See, Jesus said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Not lakes, because lakes don't flow. See, he never compared the Holy Spirit to a lake. Revival is when the river flows. The river of the Holy Ghost. How do you quench a river? You stop its flow. How would you stop its flow when it comes to the Holy Ghost? Disobedience. He says, I'm going to use the only example I really have. Mine, where he says, Gary, 
Stick your finger, and I'm in a prayer line, a nice, beautifully coiffed, is that the right word? Beautiful hair, perfect makeup, just like our lovely lady right here on this second row. Little Southern Belle comes in, perfect, just perfectly dressed, everything perfect. She's in my prayer line, and I've been praying, you speak to me, Lord. Tell me what to do, and I'll obey you, God. Anything you say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm sold out, Jesus Anything you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And here's this perfectly it's a little southern bell. And God says, stick your finger in her mouth. And I'm going, who else is up there talking? I, what? On the inside of, I'm not doing that. What? I can't be God. And about to, I'm, so what's your plan, Gary? Ignore that. I'm going to ignore that. And then he said it again. Stick your finger in her mouth. And there's people watching. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to do that. And then the third time he didn't say it again. He said it this way. And I knew it was him. He said, are you going to obey me or not? Lady. <laughs> I opened her mouth. I said, do you want me to obey God? I'm just trying to get her approval for me to do this. You want me? Yes, I want you to obey God. Good. <laughs> kind of opened her mouth a little bit. Poop. <laughs> God, I wanted fire to fall from heaven. I wanted the touch of an angel's wing. I wanted to see, I wanted to hear trumpets blast. I, I wanted to see her fall smack on the floor. Anything, God, to verify that I'm not an idiot. Because <laughs> I felt like a total idiot. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And finally I said, thank you, and I just moved on to the next person. I, what I really would like to have done is, as soon as the service is over, just get in the car and leave and not talk to anybody. But, oh, no, they had to have a fellowship at the IHOP. Guess who sat right next to me? That lady. <laughs> so I'm I'm kind of half apologizing, you know. I'm going, I don't know why he had me do that. I just, I sure hope it was God. I'm, you know, anyway, she was real nice about it, kind, and said, oh, no, I want you to obey God. Well, almost a year later, she wasn't, we were coming back to that same church down in Florida. It wasn't Bronx. It was another church. And she wasn't going to be able to come because one of her grandchildren or great-grandchildren was graduating high school on that same night. And so she wanted, she called the pastor to let the pastor know. Said, I would tell him myself, but I can't be there. I want you to tell Gary, all my life I have suffered with fever sores and blisters inside of my mouth. Just something terrible. But since the time that he did what he did, that's been reduced like 80%. Now, I don't know why it wasn't 100%. Maybe I didn't stick my finger in far enough. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody said, you should have swirled. No. <laughs> no swirling. <laughs> Maybe I should have. I don't know. But she was real happy. Real happy. 80% reduction in those blisters in your mouth and on your lips. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, now, it's just Jesus... I know a pastor here in Tulsa got in trouble this last couple of weeks because he spit on his hands and put it on, on his brother's face. Oh, the whole church is in an uproar. And I'm going, Jesus did that. Jesus spat and put it on the guy's tongue. At least. Hmm. He made mud one time. How, how would they like to spit, use your own spit, make mud, and put it on their eyes? See, the church is way too... Easily offended. But how many of you agree right now we're going to obey God? When he tells us, see, that's the thing. You've got to hear his voice. But once you've learned to hear it, you're going to do it or not. Are you sold out to Rome? You know what I'm saying there. Are you so like in the same way that the centurion, I'm sure he got orders sometimes that he maybe he didn't like. Doesn't matter. You do them anyway. Just like that time I got that instruction, I didn't like it. I didn't really want to do it. But see, Jesus would do whatever the Father said. He was completely sold out. And that's when, when you're like that, you don't even compare it with your will. Now, all the power of heaven is behind everything you say and everything you do. And again, that's, why the, that's exactly why the centurion knew, just speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Because he understood Jesus was a man of authority because he was completely under authority. 
Now one more time, John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father. I'm going to say it this way. The Spirit of truth who comes forth out of the Father. Isn't that great? He shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit abiding in Jesus is how Jesus could say, It is the Father in me. He, notice the personal pronoun, He doeth the works. Jesus makes no distinction between the Father in heaven and the Father in Him by the Holy Spirit. See, and again, that takes us back to part of last week's lesson too, where we went all the way back to Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only really one God. He's not, there's not really three gods. There's, we have to receive all this by faith, okay? There's not really three gods. The hero Israel. We are, Christianity is a monotheistic religion. One God. But he manifests himself to us in three parts. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I so appreciate Dave belaboring the point. It's not God the Father at the highest level, God the Son at the second level, and God the Holy Spirit at the third level. They are all three co-equal. If you could see them standing together and facing each other, they would be nose to nose, breastplate to breastplate. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, tri-equal, separate, but one. By faith, we believe. <laughs> Amen? We believe. But that personal pronoun, we better see it in your Bible. Go to John 14. Because now I understand, there's a reason that Jesus put that in the Lord's Prayer. He didn't have to put it in there. He could just said, Our Father, uh, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Okay, He could have just said it that way. But he's, everything He did, He's teaching us. So John 14 Okay, verse, starting in verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? There he said it again. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me. Now notice. He, that personal pronoun. He dwelleth, I mean, he doeth the works. Now when he does that, he is equating, making no distinction between the Father and the Holy Spirit that comes out of the Father. When he's, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. But he's, he said, it's the Father in me, He. He is equating the Father with the Holy Spirit right there. And he does it three more times in here. <laughs> Believe me that I am in the Father, but notice, and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. See, again, if Jesus had stay, stayed on planet Earth, there would just be one, one human, through whom the Father could work, because... The essential ingredient is that life that was in him. He was not born of Adam. He he was born of God's own spirit. It was God the Holy Ghost that came on Mary, overshadowed Mary, and cre spawned the life that became the man Jesus. His life, it's because of that very life in him, that's the Holy of Holies, where the Holy Spirit could come and dwell. Now, the Holy Spirit could come on people in the Old Testament, and you hear it, sometimes it's worded where, you know, they were filled with the Spirit and began to prophesy. But the Holy Spirit could not dwell in them. There was no place. That's why Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. If you don't have that same life in you, there is no place in you where the Holy Spirit can dwell. There has to be a Holy of Holies. That's why in all of our mess, He can still be in there. Your outer court may be a mess. <laughs> you know. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies. Well, your outer court might be a mess. 
your inner court, where the, that's really a type of the soul and your understanding and those type of things, it might be somewhat of a mess. But see, Ephesians 4 will tell you. That spirit man, the one Alan talks about all the time, the real you. Well, I'm not saying it exactly. Someday I'll be able to, I'll catch up. <laughs> inner body, outer body, inner man, outer man. I, I'll get there. <laughs> anyway, that spirit on the inside of you, let's say that. See, that it, Ephesians 4 tells you. That, that, that part of you, which is the new creation, it was created. I mean, instantly. I like to say from the get-go. In righteousness and true holiness. And the Holy Spirit goes, there's a place I can live. There's a, I can proceed from the Father and I can live right there. There's a holy of holies. Yeah, but that person's a mess. I heard him say a cuss word yesterday. But on the inside of them, there is a holy of holies. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not condoning sin in any way. But we all start off a mess. Can I, can I at least get an agreement there? Some of us are somewhat messy after a long time. Some of us. But the Holy Spirit, He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. You can grieve Him. You can definitely quench Him. Mainly you quench Him through disobedience. And I think part of this message today is preparing us. See, really the essential thing. Thank God for Pastor Dave Roberson. If there was ever a people that were accountable for hearing the voice of the Lord, is us and everybody who's been trained, taught, studied under Pastor Dave Roberson. Because you do have to hear him. You have to get to the point where you can hear him. And it's not always a voice. Uh, your conscience. It's very much like your conscience. But anyway, you have to get to the point where you do hear him. But beyond there, being obedient to do it, being sold out like the, I gotta go back to the Roman centurion. I'm sure there are orders that come down at times that he didn't really want to do. But that didn't matter. He was completely sold out to the will of Rome. Jesus was completely sold out to the will of the Father. And it's not that he didn't have a will. I thank God that it's in there, uh, him struggling in the garden. I mean, he obviously knew why he was there. Three years earlier when he was baptized by John, he knew he was going to, going to go to the cross. He knew that. He kept telling them many times, the Son of Man's going to be treated badly and killed, and on the third day he's going to... How many times did he tell them that? So he knew. But boy, when it come time to do it, there was a struggle of wills. Really, it's the only time that we're told that there was a struggle of wills. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But then he'd say, nevertheless, not my will. So he had one, didn't he? So do you. There might be times that you have to agonize. I hate it that I have to agonize over fasting. Jeremiah, if you ever really study Jeremiah, talk about a faithful man. Never in this life had much relief. His message for 40 years, repent or judgment is coming. And boy, they hated him for it. And he just kept prophesying it anyway. He finally wanted to... I'll stop now, Lord. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. No, you're not. Man up. We got more to do. And I hate it that I have to agonize over, you know, agonize. Well, okay. It is. I don't like it. I don't, I, I, even after I do it and I feel a little bit about better, better about myself, then I go, oh God, there's another week coming. <laughs> then I don't want to do it again. See, it's never the flesh. It will never be the will of the flesh, at least as far as I know. Fat, it doesn't, my flesh does not believe in fasting. It thinks that is false doctrine. <laughs> well, I thought that was funny, whether you did or not. Man. 
My flesh thinks fasting is, that can't be right. That just can't be. But it is right. So, you know, I'm at the little baby level where I agonize over fasting for a few days. And Jeremiah goes, okay, I'll obey you, God. If they throw me another well, you're going to have to get me out again. They put me in the stocks and the people come by and mock me and spit at me. I'm going to obey you anyway. Say it with me, Father. Thine is the kingdom. Father, I'll never forget. This is your kingdom. Father, thine is the power. I'll never forget. The power comes from you. And Father, all of the glory, all of the glory belongs to you. And I'll never take any of it. Even if man tries to put glory on me, I will divert it to you. See, because back there in John, you don't have to turn there again. I just don't want to misquote it. But back there in John fourteen twelve, Jesus, I mean, he lived. You just read John 17. I have glorified thee on the earth. He lived to glorify the Father. But then when he turns to us, and yet you're going to go do the same things. When we're doing them, look what he, why he wants that. It's verse 12 again. Uh, and th- it's early in 13. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than he shall he do, because I go unto my Father. See, he had to go. He had to go to the Father in order to produce more seeds. If he just stayed here as a human, he's the only one that can do, that the Father can work through. But because he went to the Father and was glorified, so now the new birth is possible, that seed can be reproduced in us and... Every seed is supposed to be able to produce what the first seed produced. You remember the Egyptian tomb that they found those wheat seeds that had been sealed in a jar for 2,000 years? And they wondered, would they still produce? And they took them out and planted them. And those wheat seeds produced just exactly the same. I'm telling you, the seed that was sown 2,000 years ago is still producing exactly the same in us. That's why he says you go and do the same things. Why? It's the same seed. It's the same life. It's the same Father. It's the same Holy Ghost. We just got to be sold out. Hmm. But see, even when he turns it over to the, the church now, you go and do the same things. But notice verse 13. Whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's still on the same mission. He's still glorifying the Father, and that's we got to remember that. Say it one more time. Father, it's your kingdom. It's your power. And all the glory belongs to you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you in 30 minutes.